WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of Dinner Party, Chef Amy Sands, and here on the virtual studio with me today is Chef Jason Goodenough with The New Culinarian, and y'all may know him from Carrollton Market and all kinds of other amazing things that he's done, and I've been just waiting to get him on the show, and so glad that he's here. Thank you so much for joining me, Chef Jason. Very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I mean, a lot of stuff has happened in the last few years, right? And it's been a little bit of a uh, a wild ride for you. It has, yes. It's been uh, it's been an interesting journey. You know, the restaurant business is uh, always an interesting journey, but when you throw in a global pandemic and shake it around a little bit, it, it adds to the fun. Well, you know, I, I started following all the things that you were doing early in the pandemic, and I'm a huge fan of your cinnamon rolls, as silly as that sounds. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but I mean, all your food, but oh my gosh, the cinnamon rolls make me happy because I'm a carb girl. But, you know, it seems like you, you've started to make some transition in the last year or so. And uh, with opening new culinary, and we'll talk a little bit about what that is, but I kind of want to get your thought process behind how you, how you changed gears. Okay. Well, I can certainly talk about that. Um, you know, I think that I was starting to get burned out on running my restaurant like well before the pandemic, but you know, it's like, I, I really loved growing and building the reputation of the place, but then the the stress and the the monotony of maintaining the standards day in and day out just was really wearing on me. And you know, a fine dining place that size, uh, kind of doing the style of food we were trying to do and and, and but stay competitive price wise, it's always hit or miss if it made money. And uh, you know, meanwhile, I'm missing my kids growing up, and uh, you know, my wife's a physician, so things, uh, you know, financially, like obviously she has the real job in the relationship. Um, so, you know, the pandemic just kind of like was the catalyst that gave me the opportunity to, you know, maybe take a step back and change, change courses, uh, career wise. Um, and that's what I've done. So, you know, it's, I spent the first year really not doing a whole lot, just staying at home and, and raising my kids and, you know, kind of living life as a, as a, you know, proverbial doctor's wife. Um, coaching my kids' soccer team, uh, just doing the stuff that I, I never got to do before. Um, and now I'm, you know, taking a different approach to what I used to do. Well, so I, I, I had a blast watching some of your Facebook posts and your Instagram posts during that time and that transition of you trying to appease the new diners that you were cooking for on a regular basis in your home. Uh, what was it like to, uh, to go from you know working in the restaurant and then having that opportunity to be in the kitchen with your kids. Well, um, it's been interesting, you know. Like uh, I, I really think that a lot of my uh, my ego and self worth used to come from people fawning all over my food all the time. And uh, then I got home, my kids just complain about everything I do in the kitchen. Uh, <laughs> like it's uh, almost everything. So. 
you know, it's been uh, it's been interesting to try to like uh, find the the value in, in day in and day out when your kids all they do is you know, when I should say two thirds of of your diners, your daily diners, complain about everything. Um, but uh, you know, it's been nice at the same time trying to figure out stuff they like, how to appeal to them. Um, you know, the the simpler the better, I find. Um, and then my youngest daughter does like to cook with me a lot, so that's been kind of cool. That's awesome. She just won't eat what we cook. <laughs> well, and you know, I feel like kids now are pretty adventurous, but they they go up and down, and they they know exactly what they want, and they're going to tell you what they want, right? Yes, correct. That's exactly right. Um, you know, for better or for worse. Uh, you know, strange. Like my my youngest daughter, who hates everything, like loves Brussels sprouts, asparagus, broccoli, coffee, ice cream, like the bitter flavors, um, which just kind of figuring that out it's been an interesting journey and, and she'll tell you you know oh i don't want these i don't want these delicious flaky buttermilk biscuits i want some burnt brussels sprouts <laughs> like okay whatever you want sister. we got you baby well yeah, we you got know, you. <laughs> now you're kind of transitioning and uh i you know with the new culinarian there seems to be an adventure around the every corner for you tell everybody what you are doing Okay, so the new culinarian is um, a business kind of in the realm of experiential travel. So what we're focusing on uh, first and foremost is what we call the immersive New Orleans culinary experience, which is a four-day kind of experiential journey uh, through New Orleans food scene, including uh, cooking classes with me in the mornings. And then uh, in the afternoons, kind of people have time off, but we're looking at kind of adding some stuff in there, you know, mixology classes and stuff like that. Uh, and then the evenings, we go out to eat at different great New Orleans restaurants. Uh, and then the, the week, while there, we meet the chefs and, you know, talk about why they are what they are and, and kind of what made them, you know, what made the places famous and, and institutions and and even like the societal forces that, that came together to cause that to happen. Um, and then finally on the last night, the, the experience culminates with dinner in my home, which is like a multi-course thing. I, I, about a year ago, bought an 1860-ish uh, Italianate place in the Garden District, right on the edge of the Garden District, actually, in Toro. Um, and um, so, you know, it's a big, fancy, multi-course, seasonal dinner in my home. I've got a vintage or an antique Steinway grand piano. So I have a piano player playing. And, you know, at the end, there's a graduation ceremony. Everybody gets a chef coat with their name embroidered on it. And the logo, there's also like a branded knife kit at the beginning in the class. So it's, you know, it's really a, a soup to nuts uh, experience. Uh, really, we're trying to combine high-end hospitality uh, with intensive culinary education. I love that. And I feel like uh, there are a lot of us um, out there who who love New Orleans and want more people to experience New Orleans. And our, our travelers from out of town seem to want that behind the scenes, authentic, get to know the food and the people experience. You know, I think I moved here 11 years ago from Philadelphia. I grew up in New York. And I think that the perception of New Orleans from the outside versus the perception of New Orleans from the inside are could not be more different. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I think the city and I think certain groups within the city do a really exceptional job of marketing their products uh, to tourists, but that's not necessarily the reality of the experience of people that live here and really know the place. And that's what I'm trying to bring to the equation. So, you know, there's no Bourbon Street involved. Uh, you know, we're not staying in the normal like strip of hotels. I'm just trying to bring a more like locals focused um, experience, but also not just show them, but, you know, also tell them like, why is this a locals experience? You know, what, what, you know, what, what is the background? You know, when they come to my house uh, and I've got the music shoes, I've got my collection of music shoes out. I mean, there's something your normal tourist is never going to hear about or see, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's a little uh, nuances and uh, intricacies. I think that, that we can provide that, that, you know, a lot, you know, really bring something different to the table. I love it. And it's, you know, you're, you're being an ambassador for the city and uh, really, you know, when we work with people from out of town, their experience with us is also going to be their perception of New Orleans yeah. and New Orleans people. Definitely. Uh, what I think is really interesting is that there are so many uh, people in the world who during COVID and over the last few years have started to hone their culinary skills and become, uh, you know, pretty sophisticated home cooks. Yeah. And what was it like for you as a chef when you had your first group come in and you're you're giving knives to people that are not trained chefs and you're saying we're going to tackle this dish it was great i mean you know i've done a lot of teaching before um but you know i've i've tended to kind of avoid the more ubiquitous new orleans dishes because i usually have a local clientele that i'm teaching right so it's generally like a noki when i'm doing the enthusiast classes, usually they're, they're local folks. So I'm doing stuff that's a little more focused to, you know, obviously you're going to learn how to cook gumbo from your mother and not from a Yankee chef and Noki, right? <laughs> um, so, but- You just uh, got lots of new fans just for saying that. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's, it's the reality. That's why I never, I never served a bowl of gumbo at Carrollton Market once ever because- Look, man, I'm not trying to be an imitator or an imposter. I'm just trying to, you know, show my love for the city through through what I know how to do really well. And um, at that point in my career, Gumbo wasn't it. But that's one of the nice things about closing is I've spent the last year or so working on my Gumbo at home to a point where I'm actually proud enough to serve it and proud enough to teach it, <laughs> um, which really took, took about 10 years. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool because especially like my client, the, the group that came for the first class. So let's see, we had two from New York, but they actually, they were immigrants to New York long ago. One was actually native to China, another to Korea. Um, and then uh, some folks from Houston and then also Charleston. So one, it was a great opportunity for me to be able to, to, to teach them all these things that I've learned about the city and like, you know, how misunderstood I think it is and, and stuff. But also I learned a ton from them because especially the, uh, the lady from China was showing me parts of the fish. Like when we went to, we went to Pesh for lunch. So like, you know, I, I cut the fish up and stuff. She's like, Oh no, 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 no. She's like, that's not how you do it. And then, so she's pulling off parts of the fish. She's like, look, this is the dark meat of the fish. And like it's the stuff that normally I would not eat. She is pulling apart and like, let me taste. And it, you know, so you know, there's this like mutual like education going on. This, 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 you know, 
bi-directional learning that I thought was just so much fun um, and so cool. And um, But yeah, I mean, just getting to show them, I, I really feel like folks got a good grasp of, of what the city is, what it, what it stands for. It was, it was fantastic. I love it. And so whenever y'all rolled up into the kitchen at Noki, and I, I don't know what time in the morning they started this culinary vacation, but uh, when y'all went into the kitchen, what were some of the things that that you cooked? Well, so the first day was a an abbreviated kind of thing because we did you know kind of a tour of the facility and, and talk. Um, so the first day was uh, was stock Trinity and Rue, so it was foundational basically. So we just learned we made we made we took our really took our time and made a dark Rue. Uh, we you know opened our knife bags cut Trinity and enough Trinity for the next two days, three days of class. Um, and then started a chicken stock um, for our gumbo the next day, which, you know, was a whole other thing because we left for Pesh and forgot that the stock burner was on high with very little liquid. And we actually literally melted an aluminum stock pot. Literally. Oh, my goodness. Literally. <laughs> and that was a good learning experience for everyone. Correct. And, you know, it was a good, you know, it was a good, my, my, uh, my director of operations was like completely freaking out. And I was like, you know, this, this is the, the perfect like uh, metaphor for the restaurant business because, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors. Like it could be complete chaos. The world could be imploding in the back of the kitchen, but as long as the guest doesn't know, you know, it's all good. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of the way it went. Um, and I was able to recover some of the melted aluminum. I'm going to get it framed. Um <laughs> But, but, uh, but, um, hold on, I, I drew a blank, Amy. Oh yeah. Okay. So what were we cooking? Okay. So the first day we did that stuff and then we went to Pesh. And the next day we came in and we made gumbo and potato salad and fried oysters and remoulade. Yum. Uh, and actually ate that stuff afterwards at Noki. They had a table set up for us with wine and water and sodas. And we combined all our stuff and ate it together and, you know, talked about what we liked, what we didn't like, what we learned and stuff. And then the next day we boiled shrimp and chilled it to do like a shrimp remoulade, like a chilled shrimp remoulade with the remoulade we made the day before. Um, and we did red beans and rice and we stopped there. Uh, you know, I had more on the agenda each day and I kind of pared it back a little bit just to stay within people's comfort zone in terms of stuff they could actually get done. Um, and then the final day we did like a redfish amandine with uh sauteed Swiss chard. And, uh, that was it. The last day was abbreviated to, uh, to allow folks to start a little bit later. And then maybe, you know, you go out Friday night cause this was a Saturday class. So you go out Friday night and then you don't have to start till 10, 10 30, something like that. Um, and then, you know, I had to rush out of there to get home to prep dinner. Um, you know, they all went back to their places or to the hotel and we had them at the Peter and Paul for the first one. Um, so I went back, had a few hours off and then were brought to my house where again, we served them a great dinner. You know, to have an opportunity to go to a chef's home or any, honestly, any New Orleanians home and to be able yeah. to dine in that home and be a part of that food and experience is so so special. And I always tell people, be careful what you ask when you're in line at the grocery store, because you might get invited over to someone's <laughs> house for dinner. I know, it's so true. <laughs> but, you know, I, I imagine that level of interaction that you get to have with diners in your home is so different and so special. Well, you know, it's really interesting. So this is actually something that I've started to, you know, 
well, I guess until this moment, very discreetly market is that, you know, doing some like dinner club type stuff in my home. But, you know, I'm really having to charge a premium for it because the only way to let my wife agree to do it is to put her and the kids up in a nice hotel for the night. Um, Cause it's, you know, it can be a little bit intrusive. Um, but, you know, we, we bought this place and I think it's just perfect. I mean, you know, it's like 14 foot ceilings. And again, it was built in the 1860s and it just screams New Orleans. And it's just like the way it's set up in terms of like the way the rooms are laid out, where the kitchen is, it's just like perfect for entertaining a group. And it's on a corner lot. So I also have a side yard where I could literally put like a 40 top stretcher, um, you know, and we've got, uh, we've got. Uh, whatchamacallit Edison bulbs out there and stuff in the trees so I mean that's something I'm kind of thinking about doing in, in the spring is just like having a supper club type thing in my yard here because there are you know 50 year old azaleas and camellias that bloom all at the same time and it's just it's, it's pretty stunning um, and it, it is it's a totally different experience for me versus a restaurant because one it's like the level of intimacy right interaction but two, because I'm cooking for a smaller group all at once, I can do stuff that I could not do at Carrollton Market that I always wanted to do. Like uh, when I had the group here last time, I butlered every single sauce table side. You know, that's something I, I could not do. Like I'm making sauces a la minute in the blender because they don't, they're not shelf stable, right? That's something I could not do at Carrollton Market. I mean, it's just like, so I'm able to do like a more refined presentation and a more refined uh, cuisine. Um which I love, you know, because that's one of the things I really miss is the creative process and being able to do great food. Um, so when I have people here, I can do even better food, um, you know, in a more comfortable setting with a, with live music and stuff. I, I, I think it's great. I can't think of anything more fun than going to somebody's house, having an incredible meal, live music, a small group of friends or new friends, and mm -hmm. just really feeling that moment. And I feel like, New Orleanians and people all over, we're at the point again where we really are craving those connections and we're craving to reconnect with food and people and we're being smart about it and wanting to be in these smaller groups. Is there anything that you have on deck maybe that will open up some opportunities to locals? Yeah, so we're actually there's been a lot of demand amongst kind of our local friends and, and clientele and just folks we meet for some kind of, of locals only experience. So in March and April, we're trying to get something together to now, now to, you know, to offer to a local clientele that excludes the hotel, the transportation, and is like substantially more cost efficient, um, you know, cost effective. Like maybe it might be a two day thing. So, you know, uh, two days of teaching at Noki. And if, you know, if we have a local crowd, I'm not going to be down there doing gumbo again. I'm not going to be doing red meat rice. It's going to be stuff that, you know, maybe stuff that's more akin to what uh, I cooked at the restaurant, you know, which I think people would like to learn, you know, really beautiful piece of, of sauteed fish with a simple sauce um, and a nice green vegetable. I mean, you know, that, that kind of deal is what I like to teach the local crowd. Um and so a couple of days of that and then dinner at my house and maybe we all go out to eat somewhere one night and meet the chef. You know, the thing, the thing we did that was probably besides the meal at my house at the last um, new culinarian iteration, one night we went to Futao Bay for appetizers and kind of like uh, small plates. And then we went to Maypop for entrees and dessert. And at Futao Bay, uh, Laura and Carl came out 
talked at length about, you know, the family story and, and how, you know, they went, you know, the family used to own 14 Fatabe in Saigon. Then, you know, before Katrina, they had five here. Now they have the one. And, it, you know, just, I mean, their struggles have just been immense with, uh, you know, with, with COVID and, and the hospitals basically and the medical district shut down. And, and then that's their whole clientele down there is their lunch business is gone. Um, but of course they persevered because that's what they do. Um, and then uh, talking to Mike Galata about, you know, how, how Maypop is, you know, the intersection of the, the Mississippi Delta and the Mekong Delta. And, you know, and I thought it was really interesting to see how, how the cuisines evolved. You, you know, start with something that's, you know, authentic and kind of original. And then, you know, you go see what Mike's doing and, and, and how forward thinking it is. Um, and so, you know, maybe we do something like that one night, and the next night's dinner at my house and, and a couple of days of teaching. I mean, I think would be, you know, a great kind of local thing. It wouldn't take up too much of people's time. So uh, we should have something like that on our website in the next few days or so. We're getting together tomorrow to really try to hammer it out. Uh, the website's thenewculinarian.com. Um, and then, you know, if people are interested in doing, you know, more specific things, if they have a group, a small group, a bachelorette, something like that, um, you know, I think it's a, a great idea for uh, kind of work retreats, team building exercises, you know, just reach out to us because, um, you know, I love tailoring things specifically to, uh, to folks' uh, wants and needs. Now, if you look back on where you were five years ago and you see where you are today, and then you think forward five years from now. What tell us? Of, I mean, are are you where you are you doing something totally different than you ever considered? And is the sky the limit? What are you going to do five years from now? Five years ago, I would say I was on the verge of closing Carrollton Market because I was so despondent because it had not gone well. But at the end of you know, five years ago, at the end of the year, I would win chef of the year. And, you know, Brett Anderson would put us on his top 10 uh, best New Orleans restaurant list. So, you know, five years ago, uh, I'd say this time, five years ago, was pretty much one of the low points of my career in my life. Um, but, you know, again, within a year, things completely turned around. Um, so, Never, you know, could I have imagined that this is what I would be doing. Uh, but five years ago, I would not have imagined that we could have had the esteem and success that we had, you know, just within a few months. Um, you know, I like the idea of growing this business. I think this is something we could do in other cities. I think there are a lot of chefs out there right now who have excellent reputations and like real national reputations, even here in New Orleans. Um that burned out and are out of the business that, you know, would be interested in doing programs like this um, and running programs like this. Um, you know, I mean, there are literally chefs here in town with James Beard Awards uh, and recent ones for best chef for the region that aren't cooking in restaurants anymore. Um, you know, so I, I'd, I'd like to kind of, kind of leverage that idea and capitalize on folks that did have a tremendous amount of give a tremendous amount to give and to offer, but, you know, basically the way the system is set up right now, maybe not the best place to offer it. Um, so, you know, but it's, it's hard. It's been so intangible until we ran the first one and like the idea of what we're doing. Um, you know, right now I'm really just letting life kind of pull me along and seeing where it takes me. And it, it seems like a lot of us are doing that, right? That we're just, we're along for the ride and we're, we're seeing where life takes us. And 
when you embrace those moments and you embrace those opportunities, crazy things beyond your wildest dreams, like, uh, you know, running new culinarians start to, to yeah, happen. Totally. I mean, yeah, certainly through Kelter Market, I got to do things I never, you know, in my life did I think I'd get to do, you know, Mardi Gras day, what, I think it was Mardi Gras day five years ago, maybe it was a four, no, it was four, you know, second lining through the dining room of Cafe Ballou with Daniel Ballou in a, in a, in a jazz band, you know, um, I mean, Epcot Food and Wine and Carrollton Market opened incredible doors. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to really leverage that reputation as something that that's actually, you know, worthwhile from a financial standpoint. There were, you know, a lot of years, my managers and servers made more than I did in that restaurant. Um, and that's just the reality of running a fine dining restaurant. Um, so, you know, something that, you know, where, where the reward is uh, more commensurate with the effort. I'm excited about uh, the food in the city, about what you're doing, but about how, you know, people in the culinary industry are still able to embrace that dream and what they love, but kind of get creative and think outside the box and find a new way to do it. Um, and I think that new, the new culinarian is really providing that and that, you know, for people from out of town, but hopefully soon for locals and uh, really giving locals that opportunity. Can you tell everybody again how they can get in touch with you, how they can find out more about what you're doing and follow you? Yes. So uh, our website is uh, thenewculinarian.com. It's T-H-E-N-E-W-C-U-L-I-N-A-R-I-A-N. My email is jason at newculinarian.com without the the. Uh, you know, I, we're pretty active on Instagram too. I'm Chef Good Enough, and the new culinarian is the company handle. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you can email me through uh, any of these uh, or DM me on Instagram. I'm, I'm fairly responsive within a couple or three days. Fabulous. Well, for our listeners out there, uh, we've had Chef Jason Good Enough with the new culinarian on the show today. I'm Chef Amy Sins. You've been listening to Dinner Party on WRBH 88.3 FM. Until next time, ciao.